This message is brought to you by the Metamorphosis Christian Center, Abuja. Remain blessed as you listen. Amen. Let's take this song. That's this glorious God, beautiful King, excellent. We bow before your throne. Glorious God, beautiful King, excellent God, we bow before your throne, bow before your throne, worship at your feet, bow before your throne, you are the glorious God. Bow before your throne, worship at your feet, bow before your throne, you are the glorious God. Your name is Alpha, Omega, for bringing them here safely. Thank you, Lord, because as we come, we've come to learn at your feet again. We ask, O oh God, for secondary illumination, for revelation, Lord, for your help in the name of Jesus. We cannot do this on our own. We ask, O oh God, give help and direction from you in Jesus' name. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. At the end of today, all glory, honor, and adoration will return back to you. For in Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. Good morning, all. Good morning, everyone. Please welcome your neighbor. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming. All right. Just go straight into the matter. Um, we commenced study 
almost four weeks the name and the title of the church so i'll just like us <laughs> okay all right so we we'll just take um just take contributions of some of the names we've learned in the couple of weeks past couple of weeks and um, what stood out for us okay ah, all our students where are they they are, they are on their way okay. A special student, I have already planned the questions. I will ask them today. All right. Okay, please, let's just take contributions before we go on, on, uh, go on to look at some other names. Last week, we, um, I think we started with, um, we looked at some names. So we looked at um, the Army of God, the Royal Priesthood. We looked um, extensively on the olive tree, how resourceful it is, Congregation of the Saints, the Bride of Christ. So those are some of the names that we spoke about last week. So we'll just take one or two persons, please. Just tell us what you can remember from some of these names and how we apply to church. Samuel, your place. Please, the second mic. So we looked at the church as the vineyard of God and um, how it needs to be constantly taken care of so that it's well built up. It's not, it doesn't grow on its own and then becomes something else. Because we know that for a vineyard, it is, if it is not pruned, um, properly maintained, it can overgrow and then becomes something else. And then we related that to um, the church as a pillar and the ground of truth, that what builds up the vineyard is the truth of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Brother Francis, I believe you have something to say. Um, okay, um, we, the Church of God is also referred to as the olive tree. So the olive is very resourceful, it's an economic crop. The oil is consumed, even the fruit itself. Then the branches and the stem, that's it. When it is dead, it is also used for wood. So its food is used as medicine. It has so many economic uh, 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 value. So every part of the olive tree is useful. There's no part that is uh, useless. So all the parts are, are very important to the tree as a whole. How Thank does you. that relate to the church? Um, okay. Um, well, what it means is that uh, every just like referring to the church as a body of Christ, every part of the body serves its own purpose. The hands, the legs, the eyes, even down to the muscles, tendons, and ligaments, every single part has its own function or purpose, which makes the general well-being of the body complete. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll go on today. We'll start with the church as the body of Christ. The church will take contributions as we go. Let's just go on so that we'll then see how we can conclude the 30 names today. And next week we'll finalize. Hopefully today. All right, so we'll go on with the church as the body of Christ. The church as the body of Christ. That's the, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. You can change the slide, please. The church as the body of Christ. First Corinthians 12, verse 26, 26 to 27. 
I will explain this, but First um, Corinthians 12, from verse 26, it says, uh, before 26, it was talking about the body, that the whole body cannot be an eye, the whole body cannot be an ear, you know, and all that, that we all have a role to play. So from verse 26, it says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffers with it, and if one part is honored, all the parts are, are glad. 27 now says, all of you together, we are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. And I'll take 28 to so 28 says there are many parts. There are, there are some parts of God's body that have been appointed for the church. We have first some are apostles, some are prophets, some are teachers, some do miracles, some are gifted with um, healing, some help others, some have the gift of leadership, and some have the gift um, some can speak in unknown languages. Yeah, a variety of tongues. So this scripture just goes to show that we have a role to play in the church. There's the, every part of the church has, has every, it, all the members of the church have a role to play. All of us in the church can be apostles. All of us can be prophets. All of us can be teachers. So everyone has a role to play based on the gifts God has given us. And the scripture also says in um, Colossians 1.18 that Christ is the head of the church. I just brought up this picture to really um, drive on the point on um, you know, the head, our head, like Dr. Adedoe mentioned, I think last week, that the head has the brain. And, you know, this picture just shows the, the function of the brain. How we can't do anything without the brain. A human being without a brain can't, can't function. And that is the same way relating it to the church and um, Christ being our head. Christ being our head, if we don't make Christ the focus of a church, if Christ is not the Lord and Savior of a church, will not function properly as the body. Looking at that brain, the picture of the brain, please, if you can go back to it, you can see the brain has several functions. And really, we can relate this also to, to, you know, to Christ being the head of the church. The frontal lobe, that part, you know, the, it talks about the brain is, is important in movement, the movement of the body, thinking, initiative, reasoning, our emotions, memory, speaking, this small brain that we, that we think is small, it does a lot of work. And it's the same thing with, the, with, the, with the Christ. Christ is our head. Like I said, looking at the brain, um, Christ being our head and relating it to this picture, it means that the body can't do anything without Christ. In the same way that our body, we can't even, as I move, as I move this hand, it's the brain that is telling the hand to me. And it's the same thing as the church of Christ. We should not lose focus of Christ. Christ is the one that gives us direction, everything that we need to move on to forge ahead. Um, going on, the brain is also involved in you know, understanding languages, behavior, memory, hearing, consciousness, breathing, blood pressure, heartbeat, alertness, body temperature, digestion, swallow. You can see that this is just you know, a bit of what the brain does. And it's the same thing as Christ. Christ should be the one driving us as a church. Christ should be the one pushing us as a church. We should not, um, as, as the body of Christ, we should not rely on our own strength. That, oh, we can do it. We've done it before. We have strategies. And all. it's good to have all those things. They are perfect. However, we should rely on, the, you know, rely on God for everything that we do. The brain is also involved in knowing rights from, knowing the rights from the left. And that talks about discernment. A church should be a church that has the spirit of discernment, knowing right from wrong. And that's by the, spirit, you know, 
the uh, power of the Holy Spirit. The brain is also involved in sensation, reading, body orientation, sensory um, discrimination, vision. You know, it's Christ that should give the body the vision for where it is going. It's okay to have, you know, we have, we have corporate meetings where we are able to come up with a mission statement. That's in the corporate world where we just come for a meeting and everybody can come up with a mission statement, vision and all. But for a body of Christ, it is Christ, it is, you know, by the help of the Holy Spirit that should give the vision for that church. Amen. So the brain is also involved for balance, coordination, you know, this is just a bit of what the brain is all about. And it's important that as a church, we should know that we are not driving ourselves. We are not doing things because we know how to do it. We are not doing things because it is us. We are the body of Christ and we should submit to the Lordship of um, Jesus Christ. It's Christ that is our head. And we, as we know that, the same way that the bodies cannot function, the body, the parts of the body cannot function without the brain. We know that we cannot function without Christ. We cannot function without the leading of the Holy Spirit. So as the body of Christ, the church as the body of Christ should be submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to be submitted to Christ for direction, for coordination, for vision, for everything that we are seeing on that on the screen. Amen. Amen. We, we, we thank God for how he has helped us as MCC. We, we trust God that you know, we'll continue to rely on him for everything that we do and that we need because we are not called on our own. We, we, we are called based on, you know, we, we, heard the, we heard the call and we all came, we joined the train. Amen. Amen. So the, the church as the body of Christ, we, we have many members, like the other picture on the other side. Plenty, many, many members in the church, but we are all not just called to one thing. Everybody has a role to play. We've mentioned this over and over again. It's just for emphasis that we all have a part to play. We are gifted. Let's bring our gift to the service of God. Amen. Amen. So like um, that's in uh, 1 Corinthians um, 12, 28. It says, some are pro prophets, some are apostles, some teachers, some have the gift of healing. We all don't have the gift of healing. We all don't have prophetic. You know, we are prophetic community as we all strive. But there is a particular you know, group of people that are prophets. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not mixing. I hope we understand somehow. <laughs> So, but we are not all called to the ministry of help. Everybody is not called to, to be the pastor, to shepherd as a leader. There should be a leader, should be leaders, there are leaders, but also we all have our part to play. People can sing, take a role in church and function where God has called you. Amen. Amen. So the body of Christ is, um, as a body of Christ, we are also diverse. You know, we have come together from different cultures different places, different communities, different um, states, different, but in our diversity, there's unity. We have come under an umbrella. We've come under an umbrella to submit to the leadership of Christ. Amen. Amen. So that is, please note your contributions and comments. We'll come back to, to them. So let's just take other, other names. Then we'll come back to you know, getting feedback from us. So another name the church is referred to is the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham, we'll look at Galatians 3 from verse 16. Galatians 3 from verse 16. It says, the seed of Abraham, Galatians 6, 3 verse 16. It says, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture does not say to his children, as it is meant 
as, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. So this passage, well, that um, is a long read. For We're supposed to read from 16 to 29. But we were talking about... Um, thank you, sir. Now to Abraham and his seeds. And his seed were the promises made. And does not say to the seeds and of many, as of many, but as of one and to your seed, who is Christ. So this scripture is just talking about when in Genesis, um, I think Genesis, I can't remember the verse, either 6 or 7 or so, when um, God spoke to Abraham, then it was Abraham, before his name changed. God gave him a promises to his seed. He was referring to Isaac then. But, you know, in this particular scripture, he's talking about that seed, now we'll go to the lineage of Jesus Christ. But if you keep reading further down, we'll go to verse 26. You know, once we link how Christ now, how we now are now partakers because of what Christ has come to do. From verse 26, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So for as many that has come to Christ through faith, we are all now children of God. So because of what Christ did, and for as many that has embraced that love, we are all children of God. And as a result, we are all partakers of that blessing of Abraham. Amen. So 27 says, For all who have been united with in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. 28, so there is no longer Jew, there is no longer Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. 29, and now that we belong to Christ, we are true children of Abraham. You can see now that we are in Christ, we are all children of Abraham. Now, though that verse 16 talks about, you know, that's um, your promise child, the promise that God was referring to was to Christ. But because of um, coming to Christ, because we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Jesus, we are all now children of God and we are partakers of the blessings of Christ. So the latter part of that verse 28 says, we are all heirs and God's promise to Abraham also belongs to us. So we are all also partakers of the blessing of Abraham. So when we say seed, what comes to mind is one tiny little like, like the scripture said, the mustard seed, if you see a mustard seed, is as small as a, almost a dust, very tiny. Quite a number of us have seen seed. Um, okay, mango seed is even big. Maize, corn, millet, exactly. Dawa, bijero, one of those things. It's very small. Usually seed comes in a very small form. And then because of what Christ has done for us, Christ died. You know, it's like that seed that died. Most people say, if a seed it doesn't die, if a seed is not planted, we can't just have a seed and put it on a chair and we're expecting that it grows. It won't grow. If you put a seed on a table, it won't grow. But it has to go through that process of death. It must abide alone. It must be planted. And that's what Christ came to do for us. Christ died for us so that as a result, we can all be called those children of God and also partake of the blessing of Christ. And, and also by the virtue of that, if, it's like planting a seed. Once we plant a seed, it comes out, and what comes out is not just one seed. We all see like plenty of fruit, and that fruit is from the seed. So it's the same way as um, believers, we are all supposed to be carriers of the image of God. You know, we are, we are, because of what Christ has come to do, he has died for us. So once we come to Christ, we have to act, think, and start behaving like Christ. Because that seed is, um, is in us already. We have accepted him as his Lord. 
And as we fellowship and relate with him, we are supposed to start looking like Christ, behaving like Christ. People should see us and say, no, these are Christ-like people. Amen. Amen. So a seed might not look, um, it might look like is, is nothing, but once it is planted, it brings forth fruits. Amen. So Christ is the seed of Abraham. And um, we also expected to, the same way a seed will produce fruits. As a church, we're also supposed to go out there and not remain as we are supposed to go out there and multiply, basically, as we go out to reach out and all. We are supposed to bring more people to Christ and multiply, bring, you know, make the kingdom of God expand, expand the kingdom of God. Amen. So we are a seed of Abraham, and as a result, we are you know, partakers of the blessing of Abraham because of what Christ has come to do. And um, we are um, enjoying and you know, benefiting from the blessings that was pronounced us on Abraham. So. The church is the seed of Abraham. That means that um, we, are, we are partakers of the blessing of Abraham. So we can claim it. We can confess it. We can meditate on it. We can pray, pray it over our lives because of Christ. Because we are now joined as you know, one body in Christ. Amen. Amen. So I'll go to the next one, which is the church as the holy nation. Please note your contributions. Note your comments. We'll take everything to, together. So the church is also referred to as the holy nation. The popular scripture in First Peter 2, verse 9. First Peter 2, verse 9. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special possession. And when we say holy, holy means people that are called out, they are dedicated to God, they are consecrated for a particular, for a particular purpose. So a church should be a place of holiness. We are people that are called out for a particular purpose, for a reason. We are dedicated to Christ. We are consecrated to Christ. We are a priest. We talked about priesthood last week. And a nation, when we say a nation, a nation like Nigeria, so a nation has governments. A nation has, um, you know, it has um, ranks. It has, it has um, Zikeda, how are we like police? Hierarchy, thank you. When we say Nigeria now, there is one president. Most countries have one president. I've not seen any country with two presidents. Most countries have one president and they have deputy or vice. And it's the same way with a nation, a body of Christ. We have one person we are submitted to. That is Christ. Christ is the one that rules the church as, a, as the Metamorphosis Christian Center nation. We are a nation or we are submitted to one ruler. We are submitted to one person. Christ is the one that rules the church. So all these names, they are all speaking about the same thing all still going back to Christ, all still pointing back to Christ. So a church should be a community where Christ is the, is the one that is directing us. We are submitted to God. We don't look at you know, any other thing or any other thing happening around us. And we are also a holy nation. Basically, holy nation is a consecrated people, people that are submitted to the governance and the rulership of God. Amen. 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 Well, yes, our students here, yeah, welcome back. We would come back to you. Please be reading, be jacking. You know. We are going to talk about the names that you have learned in the past and then what, what can you say about it. Amen. Amen. So we'll go to the next one. That's the house, as the, the church as the house of the Lord. The church as the house of the Lord. Take Hebrews 3, verse 6. The church as the house of the Lord. Hebrews 3 from verse 6. Sir Ruth, do you have a Bible? Can you read for us? Who has a Bible? Hebrews 3, 6. 
Sir Evelyn, can you read for us? Do you have a Bible? Okay, is there, please. Can you read for us? But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And thank you, Ma. So we can see here the NLT says, But Christ as a son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in the hope, in our hope in Christ. So we can see here the church is referred to as the house of the Lord. And the first mention of this house of the Lord was in Genesis 28, when Jacob had an encounter. You know, he was sleeping and he just saw angels going up and down. And when he woke up, he was like, wow, there's something about this place. You know, he encountered Christ in that place. And Genesis 28 from verse 15, I'll read, he says, now, after he woke up, he now said, wow, what's more? I am with He heard, you know, God speaking to him. He said, God told him, what's more? I'm with you. I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I finish giving you everything I've promised you. Then he woke up. While he was asleep, you know, he saw angels going up and down. He saw a ladder. He had an encounter. He knew there was something about that place. Verse 16 says, then Jacob awoke and, from his sleep and said, oh, surely. The Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. 17 says, but as he was also afraid, he also said, what an awesome place this is. There is no other, this place is none other but the house of God, a very gateway to heaven. So Jacob's encounter mentioned here that, you know, there was something about that place when he woke up. He knew that, no, this must be the house of God. So the church as the house of God must be a place of encounter. We mentioned it when we talked about the church as Mount Zion. It must be a place of encounter. People come and they do not remain the same. People come and they do not um, they don't fake the presence of God. It should be real. It should be a place where the presence of God is real and we all encounter Christ. Amen. Amen. So from the encounter of Jacob here, yeah, we, we know that the house of the Lord is a place of encounter. It's a place where we come to you know, worship God. It's a place where we come to encounter God. It's a place where we form not just because we are told to come to church on Sunday, but because we know that our coming, we've come to rub off on God and we are going to take, you know, from his presence. Amen. Amen. Let's also read 1 Peter 2.5. Someone should please read for us 1 Peter 2.5. Just to portray the fact that the church is the house of the Lord. 1 Peter 2.5. Let's start from verse 4. Verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the, meditation, the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Amen. We can see here also mentioning that we are um, a spiritual house. That's house of the Lord. A house that carries the presence of God. We've talked about priesthood and all that. So it's a house where also spiritual sacrifices are acceptable unto God. As we... Amen. Amen. So as we also come to God's presence, we also know that we are also here to offer sacrifices. When we worship, when we pray, we are offering sacrifices to God. And it should be a place where, um, you know, doing it with a pure and a holy heart so that it's acceptable unto God. We are not here to fake worship. We are not here to just raise hands so that people can see us. But we are here to make sure that 
our spiritual sacrifices are acceptable unto God. So the church is a house of the Lord, a place of encounter, a place where we meet with God, a place where we come to give, you know, give God our best. Amen. Amen. So I'll take the next one before we now take, um, I'll take the next two together before we take contributions. The next two is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. The light of the world and the salt of the earth. And it's because the scripture is together. So we'll go to Matthew 5, 13 and 14. Matthew 5, from verse 13 to 14. Okay, Matthew 5, 13. Brad, Jude, please, can you read for us? 13 and 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but be thrown out of the temple underfoot by men. Now do they light a lamb and put under the basket, but on, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Amen. Amen. All right. So verse 13 talks about the church being the salt of the earth. And verse 14 talks about uh, we are the light of the world. So at this point, we we'll just take contributions. We want us to speak to this. How is the church the light of the world? And how is the church the salt earth? When we say salt, what comes to light? When we say light, what comes to light? What comes to mind? How does that relate to the church? Rabbi, please, can you help us? Praise God. Um, when we talk about light, first thing that comes to mind is the fact that you can see. If this place is dark, for instance, and you just put on the light, you can see everything. First thing God created was light because he needed the light to be able to see what he's creating. You know? So, in the, in, in the context of what we are discussing now about the church being the light of the world, uh, Christ is the head of the church that has been established. And Christ is the one giving us the light of what we know today. You know, um, we, um, um, looking at the, the word of God now, the Bible, if, if you want to read it, you can actually read it like, as if you are just reading a textbook, you know. But when that light comes, you have deeper understanding. And it's true, same Christ I'm talking about now, Christ. The moment you, you, you give your life to Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. And they all work in, um, hand in hand for you to be able to have more understanding. So that light comes to you the moment you accept Christ, you know, and you allow the Holy Spirit to also work on, on you as well. So... It gives you the opportunity to be able to understand more of what he's talking about, of the, the entire um, salvation um, process and everything. Have, have that light in you, meaning that you can now see more, you can understand better and all. And so how is Christ the light of the world? How is the church, rather, the light of the world? Okay, now, in that same context now, um, the church, we are, we are the light of the world, meaning that we are supposed to Show, show people the way. People are looking at us as, as you know, we're not just, we're not just uh, there. Anywhere we are, we are, we are showing that light, and people are seeing it. They are understanding God better, even through our life. 
through the way we behave, the way we act, the way we react to things, and all, anywhere we are, whether we're in the church or we're in, the, in our workplace, in our business place, we are supposed to show to the world that this is who Christ is. Understand, um, understanding things better through us. And that's why we are, we are the church. We are the church um, of God showing the light to the world through Christ. Amen. Amen. Uncle Fala, please. Praise God. Okay. Uh, the whole world is full of darkness. And uh, light is the opposite of, of darkness. So we being the light of the world, Christians, people who have come, people who have come to know the Lord, who have given, we have given our lives to Christ, then we are to shine light to the darkness all around us. You know, a life without Christ, we can only imagine how such life is. A life without Christ is in trouble. So fearful, so bothered about everything. But when people look at us, we that we have given our lives to Christ, we have come to identify with Christ, we are living the life of Christ, then they can see that there's a difference between me coming to Christ and they that are not in Christ. They see peace when they are scattered, they are not organized, being fearful, they are afraid. You know, Christ in us brings the light, gives us that light. So people can see clearly there's, when there's no light there, you know, you, you cannot find your way through. You can eat your head on the wall, eat your head on, eat your leg on the chair. But when there's light, you can see clearly. And that is how Christians are. That is how the church is to the world. We are the light. We are to show people the direction. We are to show them the way to Christ. Okay, doctor. I'll just read the Bible passage, and I think that explains also. That's Ephesians 5, from 8 to 13. I'll read quickly. For you are once darkness, and now you are light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Test and prove what pleases the Lord. Have no fellowship with the fruitful, with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that is illuminated becomes a light itself. I think that's more. That's just self-explanatory. I don't think I need to add anything to it. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we can see as um, a church, we are very important. There's so much darkness out there. People are in confused. People are in depression. People need guidance. People, you know, they are, there's a lot going on out there. So they should be able to come to a community. They should be able to enter the Church of Christ and find peace and find direction for their life and you know find and find purpose for life first by coming to to Christ because we are light. They are they are they've left darkness and they are coming into the body of Christ. They should be able to find lights and direction for their life. So we are very important as an organization, as a body in, in the world, wherever we find ourselves. We are lights. As individual members, we are lights. But as a church also, we are lights. People should come in here and darkness should run away. You know, deliverance should happen 
whatever they came in here, we should leave because they are here. They are, they are in the presence of God and all that should not stay. Amen. Amen. So it's very important for us to see ourselves as lights. We are going to Garikitu. We are also there, going there also to shine the life, to shine the light of Christ, to you know, bring Christ to that environment. Amen. Amen. So also the salt of the earth. What can we say about salt? When you hear salt, what comes to mind? And how does that relate to the church? How is the church the salt of the earth? Tafume, please. The church as the salt of the earth. Um, because it um, preserves, um, you know, <clears throat> it preserves the earth as because of their work of righteousness, and you know, it just shows um, people what to do, how to live, um, how to please God, how to work. So it gives, and that um, work of righteousness sort of preserves um, um, the the earth for it's not being overrun. Totally by darkness. So the church doing that preserves the, the earth. Thank you. Amen. Thank you very much. Like she mentioned, salt is very important as a preservative. When something, or if you don't want something to go bad, like meat or now, just, you know, put some salt and we've known that salt preserves. So like she said, the church is also important as, um, okay, Pastor Shea has something to say. It's also important to preserve earth so that it doesn't, um, Please go on, sir. Okay. Um, foundational to being light. You know, that passage that Dr. Red, Ephesians 5, you know, downwards. Foundation to being light is what all that God is. Righteousness, you know, holiness, peace, all goodness. That's so first role, even though the other part too of healing, deliverance, direction is important, but priority in God because if that comes in, the others can naturally follow. So in the same manner, and Jesus using the two in the same way, I mean the same verse, in the same breath, saying you are salt, you are light. You can't actually be one without the other. Light helps people see, ah, this is darkness, this is not God wants. Then let's follow the light. Salt will now help to keep you in the light. Just the same way we say salt is preservative. It preserves what is established. So light might bring establishment indeed. Salt brings reminder. It just keeps you in check that this is it. And then being light, some people have said it being light, yes, there is an element of visibility. There is contrast. They see that you are this, they are that. Or you are shining, the grace of God is showing all Things as you are just visible, but salt, there is no visibility as it were. So, and in fulfilling your function as salt, sometimes you must be willing to just go under the radar. Maybe it's through your prayers, when you are talking in private to people. Sometimes salt can go unappreciated, Abby. You don't, you know, you do, I mean, it's in small amounts that it is used so it's easy for somebody to say ah, you can do it without it but when it is absent that's when you say ah, there's no flavor in this thing so but it speaks more to the nature of humility and submission to God that you are operating assault nobody sees you nobody hears you and but your function is being felt and then in being salt also 
It calls for caution. Learn to know when to stop. Because when it is too much, it becomes useless. Nobody wants salty food here. Or is there anybody that likes salty food? You can lick sugar, but you can't lick salt. <laughs> so that is just the... So no, the limit. No, you can't be too... Taking on, on the nature of salt, trying to preserve, preserve. You can't be too forceful. Just yield. The little that God will want you to do, you do it. And it will make a whole lot of difference. Thank you. Praise God. I don't know, I'm seeing it in, a, in another way. Just as light shows people, makes people see. I'm, I'm hearing it like you are going to, you are reaching out. You are trying to let people know that where they are is darkness. Like in an evangelism kind of, I'm seeing it like evangelism, letting people see. Then salt is to help them make good choices. That is where I'm hearing discipleship. When preserving the earth, letting people know how to live their life, making, helping them make good choices, you know, um, being in constant touch with them so that they will, you know, keep in the way that they have now joined, that is keep themselves in the light, is sort of, I'm hearing discipleship. So those two, basically. Thank you. Bratunde, please. Um, praise the Lord. Okay, so I just wanted to add two things. Um, first of all, that salt also helps to bring out the sweetness in things. Some things whereby when you taste them by themselves, they just they are quite tasteless. But by the with the addition of salt, you get the real taste and flavor of them. So even as Christians also, but some people may not come into the things, into the real things that God has deposited into them until we begin to influence them. And also adding to what was said about preservation, um Bibles Bible um, Bible says that when Abraham was negotiating with God about Sodom and Gomorrah, God was like, um, if for the sake of five people, if you meet ten people, will you keep the, will you keep the city? If you meet five people, do you know all those negotiations. And also, one of the verses Pastor Sean you know, quoted for us, that was last Sunday, was that righteousness, if... Okay. That um, if Job, Daniel, and Noah were to be in this generation, that they would only keep themselves by righteousness. One of the things that we do also is that for our sake, God keeps communities. He preserves people because of, the righteous, because of our righteousness. God will keep those that are still close to us and still the end of judgment. Thank you very much. Okay, I'll come to you. Pastor Rutin. Thank you. Uh, so uh, in the context of what we are looking at uh, for the church, um, thus in John chapter 1 was said, uh, described to be, he is the light of the world. Of course, it's mentioned to, uh, to us too that he is the light of the world, right? And um, John was writing and he spoke specifically, he said in verse, uh, verse 4, he says, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light everyone. All right? And he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Of course, describing how um, uh, the essence of Jesus' coming causes uh, a change, causes a transformation, causes a renewal of back to the purpose of God, back to the original plan of the Father. 
right? So as believers, as the church, our job is to ensure that we, as ambassadors of light, we say uh, God is the father of light, right? He dwells in light. So we are representing him here on earth as light in the essence of restoring his kingdom, more or less, or bringing to pass what he has already established in heaven and showing the world around us that uh, light is the order of things, not darkness, because darkness was brought as, as a result of uh, the fall of man and all of that. And the devil, of course, uh, trying to usurp power from the Father, uh, got sent back, uh, sent down or sent away from heaven. And since then, he has perpetrated darkness wherever he, he was or he is. All right? so, but for us, uh, translating that or relating that to salt as well, we talked about uh, preservation. Uh, Bro Tunde was talking about uh, Abraham uh, negotiating with God on behalf of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Where, where if there were four, if there were five, if there were, uh, sorry, 50, if there were 40, and so on and so forth. However, if you look at the way salt prevents uh, things from decay, we are also meant to do that. That is, wherever there is decay, we are preventing it to, to continue. We are stopping decay from continuing by doing what we are supposed to do, carrying out our responsibilities by showing the light that God has given to us and ensuring, of course, this comes with witnessing and living a godly life, showing godly character. All right? Uh, we talked about Enoch. He walked with God. People saw that he walked with God. That is, that is why it could be recorded. People have testimonies about him. The same thing, people had testimonies about Jesus. The same thing, people had testimonies about the apostles. The Bible says that uh, when people saw them, that was after Jesus had ascended. When people saw them, it said, they, I mean, they were unlearned, right? But they were people who, who were speaking with authority and boldness. And they knew that ah, because they, they could relate it to the fact that they walked with Jesus or they were with Jesus. That is why what is going on in their lives or around them was going on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, talking about the salt, I think salt brings about salvation. Just like light. Light shows the way. As a Christian, if you lose your function, uh, just, just as the way they say that if salt loses taste, it is useless. So as a Christian, we should, as a salt, we are to bring about salvation to the world. Because if you go to any restaurant and you eat food there, you enjoyed eating the food. I'm sure next time somebody you invite more people to come to that restaurant because you have tasted how good the food is. So as a Christian, I think so bring our salvation. Amen. Thank you very much. And that that's correct. Thank you all for your contribution. All right. So we'll go on to the next one. That is the church being a peculiar people. Going through this scripture again and again. That's Hospital 2.9. We are a chosen generation. We are God's special people. So we are the ones that God has called out. We are the chosen ones. Amen. So the church should be a group, a community of people that um, we are chosen by God. We know that Christ has called us into this assembly. And uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst, we are being transformed. Amen. Amen. So... Um, I won't dwell much on that because we've spoken a lot about chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, and also the church is also known as a peculiar people. We are a special crop of people. But no matter where you like, we, like I always say, no matter where you find yourself in the world, 
you know that you are you are already you are you are aware of the sound doctrine. You are able to connect with a community of um, your believers. You are sure of this doctrine that they are sharing there. So you know that you are there for a reason. You are not just there to fill up the chairs. We are there because Christ has chosen us. He has counted us worthy, and He wants us to be a part of the kingdom to bring more people into light. Amen. Amen. So we are a chosen generation. We are God's peculiar people. We are, you know, a treasure is something that is, you know, you you it's something that you treasure. Let me use that word. It's something that you, you know, you 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 value. Thank you. It's something that you value. So God values us. So when we come into the kingdom, we don't see ourselves as just there. You know, that self, that um, low self-esteem and all that. But as we rub off on Christ, all those ones go because we now see ourselves the way Christ sees us. We are a people of value. We should get to places and we should be able to contribute to whatever sphere we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves, because we carry Christ on our inside. Amen. Amen. So we are a peculiar people and we are are God's special people. So we'll go to the next one, which is the temple of God. Sorry, I want to finish these 13 names today so that next week we'll just wrap it up. So the church is also the temple of God. The church is also the temple of God. We are all aware of the temple of the temple that was built, the temple of God built in um, Exodus. How the place was sacred in that that you know, in that sense, it was a place that had the Ark of Covenant. We've mentioned this again. The the church being the temple of God is a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. You know, the Ark of Covenant was in the temple of God back then when the, when the temple was built. And it's the same thing here. The, the church being the temple of God should be a place where the Holy Spirit is felt and the Holy Spirit in, you know, inhabits our presence. So we shouldn't joke with the presence of God. We shouldn't, um, and we should be sensitive also you know, when we come to church. It's not a time, we can laugh and chat and all, maybe when you say welcome your neighbor, no, but we should be all through service, be sensitive, be we know, we know the direction that the Holy Spirit is going because the Holy Spirit is here. The church should be a place where the Holy Spirit, you know, is happy to be. Amen. Amen. So the same way that the Ark of Covenant was in the temple, um, Exodus, we are also the temple of God. We carry the Holy Spirit here. Let's read First Corinthians 3 verse 19. Verse 9, sorry. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. So we should know that God's spirit is here. So we shouldn't take it for lightly. We shouldn't um, joke about it. We know that we are God's temple and God's spirit is there. Again, it is important to recognize that, um, you know, God's, um, um, the te- let's also look at Ephesians 2.20. Ephesians 2.20, please. Okay, so it says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, 21, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 22, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place in the Spirit. So the church of God should be a place, we've mentioned the scriptures have said it, is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. We should make it conducive, we should make the atmosphere, you know, conducive for the Holy Spirit to dwell so that we can have encounter. It's a place of worship. And it's a place where we must be, we know that we are coming to meet God. We are not coming to the, the, the church to meet someone. We are coming to meet God. It's a place where we are coming to meet God. It's a place of worship. Amen. 
Amen. The church is also the family of God. The church is also the family of God. If we read Ephesians 3, 14 to 15, Ephesians 3, 14 to 15, the church is the family of God. It says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. So the church is the family of God. And I try to look at, if we say I'm in a family, we all came out from families. What can we say? They are special. They are spe- if we say I'm in a community of a family, what are the things um, that, what are the traits or the characteristics of a family? When we say, we were taught in social studies, we were taught in, I think, university self. Characteristics of families, traits of family. How can you say, okay, you are part of a family? I try to look at it and you know, try to understand how that relates to the church of God. Um, some literatures or some literatures mention that a family is a place where appreciation is expressed. There is a place where we are here to appreciate God. We also appreciate ourselves. We don't bring down anybody. It's not a place to the thing that there's one special person, there's no, you, you know, looking down on people. No, everybody is appreciated. It's a place where we spend time together, whether together in prayer, together to fellowship, together to eat, together to play. We, we have fun and recreation. It's a time where, so when we say we are in a family and we call for um, prayers or we call for time, um, fun and recreation, it's not the time to say, fine, we all have something we need to do or we have to do, but we should be, we should know that we are part of a family. We are, yeah, it's like a puzzle piece. We are knitted together. We shouldn't be found wanting when we say, okay, it's time to do something. It's, we are, if we say you are in a family and you say, oh, somebody's getting married or it's somebody's birthday, you will be happy to want to do a shoebi or pick a color, try to help. And because you know, you, it's not, you know that, okay, you have something to also offer in that family. Amen. So it's the same thing as the body of Christ. It's the same thing as the church of Christ. We are the family of God. It's a time where is a place where we can come together to spend time together. It's also a place of encouragement of individuals. You know, people come, they are down, they are depressed. It's a place where we should be able to encourage others. It's a place of communication, you know, interaction. The family, you cannot just say you are part of a family and you are not talking. You are just isolating yourself. You just want to be on your own. Nobody will even allow you to be on your own because they will drag you. You know, why are you sitting alone when everybody is laughing? So it's a place of communication. It's a place of interaction. It's a place also where people are able to adapt. We come in with different theologies, different mindsets, different things. But you come to the body of Christ because you have a teachable spirit. You know, you're able to drop some things and say, no, I'm here to follow Christ. I'm here to you know, follow what um, Christ has told me to do. So it's a place where we, are, we have people that are teachable and ready to go on with um, you know, the life of Christ. It's a place where there is commitment. You cannot be in a family and everybody is doing something. Even if you don't have money to drop, you must commit your time. You must be able to do something. So a family, you cannot say you are part of a family of God and there's no commitment. You just want to come, go, come, go like that every Sunday. is not good enough. You can start with that, but you can also build on that. Amen. So it's a place of commitment. We must be able to commit our time, commit our resources, commit our energy, commit our service, you know, putting it in to um to to serve God. Amen. And it also is a place of where there is clear roles, you know, there is discipline, there are roles in the family. Everybody is not the father. Everybody is not the mother. Everybody cannot be the children. You know, there are roles. Everybody have things they are doing. So when we say this is just like relating just basic definition of family to the body of Christ. These are some of the traits or characteristics that must be seen 
in a church community. So if we say we are part of a family, if we say we are part of the family of God, it's important to know that we have a role to play. There is responsibility. We must be committed. And um, we, it's a place where we give. You know? um, in, the, in arts, people came with their food, came with, the, and they are ready to help, help people around. It's not a place where we have, it's for me, my family, and I. No, no, that should not be the mindset in the family. The family where you are willing to give, give encouragement, give food items, give, you know, show love to people. Amen. It's a place where there should be brotherly affection. You know, it should be seen in our midst. It should be seen in our midst. It should not be a place where people come and we are so hostile to them and they say, oh, this um, kind of community, I don't understand. So the, the church of God should not be that kind of a place. It's a place where there is love and it is evident. You know? We all have a role to play. Amen. So if you please go to the last slide. We'll just take, let's just take some contributions before we end. I just try to put all the names on a slide so that we use it to pray for Metamorphosis Christian Center. These are some of the names out of the thousand names that are available. So these are just some of the names that the church should be named after, Lord, well, that should um, be an exemplars of the church. So let's just take final contributions before we pray. I know I'm out of time. Amen. Amen. So what can we say? We've talked about 30 names that the church should be, um, that, that should be the names or the titles of a church and what exactly the church, you know, is supposed to do. So let's just take contributions. Start for me, please. Sister Ratsi, I'm coming to you. Sister Debbie, I'm coming to you. Tabolu, please prepare. Um, so for all the names, since we are part, since um, the church is made up of um, separate, discrete beings, one person, we should also work such that all of these names and titles are seen in our life, that we are truly light, we are truly out of the Lord, we are truly um, souls, we are truly a peculiar people, because it's not the building that makes up the church, it's the people. So as we are also saying, metamorphosis, we should... You know, have it as a goal, yes, that I want to become a branch of the... In fact, that branch of the Lord, it was Jesus that said, um, it was for Jesus that said, a branch will shoot out of... So it really talks about the individual, and we should have it as a goal that all of this, I would really see it in my life. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Any of the... Praise God. Okay, I just wanted to add that as lights as children of god everywhere we find ourselves we're not supposed to blend maybe you are in a place and it seems like you are the only person you are the only straightforward person don't feel like oh won't they say she has come again you understand we're supposed to shine that's how light shines we're supposed to understand what the will of god is and doing it uh, in doing that we are able to shine light into the dark world Amen. Well, um, Sister Fumi has actually gone through my line of thought. Church is not just the building. We are the church. So I feel this is what we should be praying for ourselves every day. And we should be living it out every day. Like all these things should be said concerning us. That I am the family of God. I am the temple of God. And so on. Amen. Amen. So let's just rise as we you know, declare this into our lives. We've seen 30 names out of the thousands. Let's just you know, declare this over us individually. That you know, we are the salt of the earth 
are the light of the world. We are the pleasant portion. And also having that as the back of our mind. Please, can you project for us? Thank you. Um, as we go to Garikitsu, as we move to a new place, you know, as a church, that this is also what we see in our lives. Amen. This message is brought to you by the Metamorphosis Christian Center, Abuja. We believe you were blessed as you listened. Join us for a Sunday service at Metamorphosis Christian Center, Stanford Dialysis Building, beside Africa International College, opposite Sun City, Kaura District, Abuja. You can link with us on Facebook and YouTube at Metamorphosis NG. Metamorphosis Christian Center, reaching, raising, releasing.